0: You gotta handle the rock with flair and rhythm if you wanna be judged on wood grain and concrete courts in New York. This ain't no nickel and dime. It's dribbling dimes where scoring never looked this good, I guarantee it. But was your reputation built from the playground up, or did you call next and they took that ish, all cause you weren't as fast as police and ambulance sirens, or as loud as Mr. Softy ice cream? No. You see, this is New York City hoops in prime time. As beautiful as the skyline, it's Dribble and Dimes.
1: You
0: ready? What's up? This is Emilio the Poet.
2: What's good? This is Manny Digital. And welcome to another episode of Dribbling Dives. This is the COVID-19 quarantine Back again. (laughs) Let's make... Wait, 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 We should make some noise for that. We should make some noise for that.
0: Make some noise.
2: And so today we've got another captive... Uh, guest uh, actually he's a little bit more free flowing than we are right now because he's, he's, he's in transition but he's doing it safely he's doing it safely y'all. <laughs> um, so this, this gentleman he was a star player at Benjamin Banneker High School in Brooklyn of course um, he was the Brooklyn Player of the Year his senior season he took Banneker all the way to MSG for the city championship he did that twice once his sophomore season they won that once his senior season, they lost that. But he dropped 30 points, 10 rebounds, and just quite couldn't get over that hump that, that year. I want to say y'all played against Sebastian Telfair that season, and we'll, we'll talk about his effectiveness, if at all, um, during that time. Uh, and this gentleman has played so far actively 12 seasons uh, professionally all around the globe. Uh, he, he had a couple stops in the NBA, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And uh, with us today is El Panameño, Gary
1: Forbes. Well, good, good, good. Thanks and, uh, for having me. I appreciate we, it. Thanks for having me. So <laughs> b-
2: because of the coronavirus, oh, we, we haven't really been able to pay our applause, people. So they kind of come in and out on, on like some, <laughs> some bullshit.
3: So I apologize. Yeah, that's good. That's good.
0: And I'm mad that I'm mad you still not in the league, man. You should still be here. You got I a lot know, of youth. Man, I know, man. But, I, I'm mad as shit.
3: Uh, you know, it's all it's all for a good reason. I know. I got I got like a huge my my end story is gonna be bigger than my uh you Ooh. know than uh, than than what's the current right now. Yo, that's yours. Cool. I love to hear that. You're
0: like you know what it is, me. I'm, a, I'm I'm an NBA fan. My brother is as well, and I watch a lot. And I've seen you play, and just the times I saw you play, I thought you had a lot of potential. Not saying you don't have any more, and you know, Appreciate I'm just saying that. as far as as far as a play, I thought you belonged to the league. That's all I'm trying to say. Nah, Gary, it. Gary,
2: you <laughs> o- you old shit, Gary. You only shit. You should
3: not. I <laughs> know, man. I'm, I've been doing it for a long time, man. That's why. That's that's why I'm a. I'm a Kind of annoying, man. I think that's why I'm still playing right now, because the uh, universe is like, man, this guy doesn't give up, man. So you know, <laughs> so you, God bless you. God bless
0: you.
2: Keep at it. The the way I look at that, um, and and by no means am I comparing myself to you or people like you that have reached, you know, the levels of basketball that you have. But uh, my wife, you know, I'm I'm always like aching, and every time I play, like my ankles are shot. I can't play again <laughs> for like four or five days, right? Um, sure. And I tell my wife, I am like, yo. She's like, yo, you need to stop, my mother. Oh my God, your knees, blah blah. I'm like, yo. Even God forbid, if I end up in a wheelchair, I'm still playing basketball. Right, 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 so right, like,
1: as you,
2: as bootleg as my game might be, I'm still gonna do that, right? right so like,
3: that's yeah, a love, that's a passion.
2: Yeah. So like, you know, we take it to somebody like yourself, right? You you said you're getting up there in age now. I think you're 34.
3: Is that right? Thirty-five, actually. Thirty-five. Like, I, almost, like, I, I almost forgot like how old I was. But, so, yeah. <laughs> thirty-five, man, thirty-five.
2: So, good. You you mentioned at the open, you know, before we started recording, um, that you still get up, you know, like you you walk around, and you feel. Legit, feel like you're seventeen, 17, 18 years of age, right?
3: Yeah, actually, I actually got got ID'd the other day. Uh, got got carded <laughs> the other day. So I was like, really? I was like, so I, was, I, felt, I, felt, I felt, good. I'm like, alright, so I'm still, I'm still like in the twenties. I still, still right. feel yeah, good. Yeah, you don't look, you don't look, look gay. You could definitely. Well, I appreciate that. Appreciate. I, it. I, get that, I get that. I get that. That's the that's the Panamanian jeans, man. That's the Spanish jeans, man. That's true. That's <laughs> true. <All right>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So how That's does why I shaved too, man? I so I can. <laughs> <use it again. laughs>
2: so how so how does it feel? Um, let us talk about um kind of current state of affairs, right? Um, and we'll we'll get back we'll get back into kind of the beginning and and work our way up from there. But like you you were just overseas, you were in Asia, you were in Vietnam. Your season was cut short. You were playing with the Saigon Heat over there. Um, kind of a late, well, mid season pickup, right? Right. Um. And then news breaks and, and, you know, China's getting shut down, all this crazy shit is happening over there. How does, how does the word get to you and, like, what are you thinking as all this is coming down?
3: Well, I mean, obviously, like, you know, being in a different country, it's, um, you know, it's so like a new transition uh, and just, like, getting used to it. But- you know the benefit for me. I've been able to play overseas, so I've I've kind of you know know the ins and outs of being and been being in Asia. I, I played in China before. I played in the Philippines, so uh, you know I felt you know pretty much comfortable. But you know once you know the the scare of a virus, I still wasn't. I'm I'm never like a real like panicker when you know pandemics or what they call it now like like happen. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know, maybe the naiveness of, of me like the child uh maybe child of me but the 17-year-old you know, really
2: it... the 17-year-old in you. Right right
3: right right, <laughs> right 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 right. I didn't I didn't really take it seriously until, you know, I I seen that, you know, the CBA shut down and that's the, you know, that's the the biggest league in China and it was around Chinese New Year which was about to start in you know, things weren't going as normal as, you know, as they as they should have. You know, can- practice were canceled and, you know, stuff like that and games. And, you know, teams weren't able to leave, you know, China or Hong Kong to fly to us. For whatever reason, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't told to us until, you know, later in the week when, you know, things were all canceled. <clears throat> so y'all,
2: so y'all get the word, like... You said you didn't take it seriously at first. I don't yeah. think anybody
3: did, right? Like right, right, that, right. that's the that's reality that's of the, the situation. Ignorance. That's the ignorance of us humans.
2: Well, I don't know. So right. so like, you know, we and I'm I'm very similar. I consider myself kinda not a panicker, right? Yeah, Generally yeah. speaking.
1: Generally, yeah.
2: But shit got real for me, I'd say like I remember the day, it was it was March twelfth. My brother's birthday happened to be March twelfth. So that's the day when it really hit me. I was like, "Yo, this is serious shit. Like, we got to really take serious precaution." But you guys, it had. I mean, you came back home in January. You said, right? Yeah, end of,
3: end of January. Yeah.
2: So what? A couple of weeks before? Maybe, maybe not even that far. Like, a in that same week, probably is when shit started really going crazy over yeah, there. Right? Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Like over there, exactly. Yeah. Like China was, you know, shut down. Games were shut. So it's kind of like, you know, what's going on, kind of thing.
0: Where were you exactly when you heard the news? Like, were you in... What city were you in
3: in China? I think we so, were in Hong Kong at the, at the time. Like, I think we were in Hong Kong, I believe. Okay.
0: Right. And, and did, in that particular city, were there cases already being talked no, about? No, no, like no. Everything,
3: everything, was, everything was up in and north in, 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 uh, in that area of China that they were talking. So nothing was close to where... You know, we were in Vietnam or in the part of China that we were in.
2: So you get back to the States and you see things are a little bit more calm, a lot more calm. People aren't really, in February, late January, nobody's really talking too much about this.
3: Well, the the flight that I was actually on, (laughs) I came home and it was like, it was kind of like, you know, panic, like getting flights and, you know, flights were booked and stuff like that getting like last minute flights <laughs> and the flight that i was on i got home to hear that kobe bryant died oh that was wow i was in the air the whole time like that the whole time that happened and you know i land wow. and the first thing i turn on my phone i hear i get so many notifications i'm just like this, like no no it's still still surreal right. still surreal to me like right still at this For moment sure. but uh like I like it was, it was it was it was crazy. People were talking about it in the in the bathroom airports and you know. Yeah, it was where did, did
0: you guys have a cross pass, you and Kobe as far as like you playing him at
3: all? Yeah, yeah. We played uh about I think I played him about five or six times, I think I believe. That's crazy. So just like going back to those pictures and stuff that I you know posted just like you know, like wow, I played against like literally probably I mean one my idol besides uh Michael Jordan but you know, to play against literally the man, you know, top. Yeah, right, right. You know, mom's is, that, is
0: there any uh, any like memory that you have of your encounter with him, whether on the court, or off the court, shit talk, or whatever that, I, remember, uh, I,
3: remember, I remember my first time I checked into the game, and I was like, you know, one, it's still a surreal experience. Like, you know, to to get to the NBA, to reach your dreams, it's still it's, it was still surreal to me. To, to be there and we're playing my first game was my first like we were playing preseason we were at the Staples Center and we you know I'm checking in the game and George Carl just the coach at the time tells me like you know, you know Forbesy which he, he called me he was like Forbesy uh, you know you, you're you checking in for Aaron Flalo so which was you know I always either came in at the end of the first which is something I loved about Denver like I was you know my times were you know I knew when I was coming in so I was always prepared but, you know, checking into the game and Kobe's literally standing there, like, at the free throw line. I think we are shooting free throws at the time. And he's standing there, has the, you know, the Jordan, you know, the Jordan uh, pose with, you know, holding his shorts. Yeah. And, you know, like, he's bent, like, leaning over. <laughs> and I go stand <laughs> next to him. And I'm just like, yo, this is, this is fucking crazy. <laughs> like, this is, like, Kobe <laughs> Like, I'm like, I'm just, I, I had, like, butterflies in my stomach. I'm just like. Like, this has to be, like, a movie. Like, it looks so surreal. And, the, you know, the lights in the Staples Center are all off in the in the, in the the stands. Yeah. So, all the lights yeah. are on the court. So, it's even, like, just oh. brighter. It's just, like, super dope experience. And I remember the first time, like, he got the ball in the post. I mean, he knew that I was a rookie kind of thing like that. And, you know, I'm trying to swim around. I'm, like, trying to get around. I'm trying to front the post. And he literally holds me off with one arm. Like, the dude is fucking so strong.
0: Uh. <laughs> And like
3: his footwork was like impeccable, but uh, you know I, I had I have really really good defensive games on him just from just watching so much film and just him being my idol, so I just know the pump fake is coming. I know most of those moves are coming just from right. hours and staying up late at night watching you know the Lakers play.
2: I would have um, if well, I was if I was if it was me in your shoes, I would have let Stevenson blew his <laughs> ear. Word up. <laughs> Cause that t- that would have that would have eased my my nervousness. Cause yeah, I yeah, yo, yeah, I threat yeah. I thre- I, th- I just threatened him. So now it's survival. Now I gotta go get
1: this dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. That's okay. dope, man! What an experience. You you know for you because um let me say for like you know us being oh you here you- in New York at the time I heard in the new both Kobe Bryant and the COVID situation, man, you must have been, like, all over the
3: place. Talk- right, 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 right. To, uh, to, to about hear about how you were like, feeling with I mean, I, one,
0: craziness.
3: One, I was just happy. One, I was just happy to kind of be home uh, just from the situation right. and then to hear about the Kobe thing. That took, like, it took still, like, a little bit of a week or two to to, you know, to, to get it into your brain, like, you know, wow, he was in on you know, a helicopter and die with his daughter like kind of thing and the other those other you know victims that were on the helicopter as well it's just like that's like surreal that's like an everyday thing for for them like like right. to travel to travel in a helicopter like i remember the first time i heard that kobe you know had a helicopter instead of driving in that la traffic to games you know with you know from the the distance that he lived it was literally a 15 minute helicopter ride he would fly park his helicopter on top of the other building across the street, and he had, like, cars or something like that, and would, you know, drive into the Staples Center. So that was, like, a normal thing for him. So for for that to happen, it's just right. like, like, wow. Like,
2: yes. Yeah, it's, it's insane, yeah. man. I, 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 I guess, for me now, I haven't thought about Kobe, and maybe you know, since this COVID shit got, got cracking. Um, but up all until right. then, like, he was on my mind all the time. And I mean... <clears throat> Yeah. I, I wouldn't consider myself the biggest Kobe fan in the world. I respected that man's game, and I just, right. you know, I, I understood his place in the in the league and in the game. But I, uh, I just, yo, I was just like, you know, completely heartbroken and devastated. Like he was a part of my family. Like that's what it felt like to me for for a while. And now that you're bringing it back, I'm like, shit, yeah, like it's it's coming back now.
1: <laughs> it's real tragic, yo.
0: Gary, let me ask you a question, because we're not, we're not too far removed as far as age. Mm -hmm. Okay, so my thing is, right, I grew up a Kobe hater. I couldn't stand Kobe. I'm gonna tell you, I think, I don't know, I I want, I'm asking you, because I want to know if I'm out of my head, or if it's just, I'm just hating, and the world was just loving him. I just want to know, kind of, where you were as a kid, I'm talking about as a child now, right? What, when you you first saw Kobe walk onto the NBA floor, because I thought he was super-duper arrogant. I thought he was like an arrogant bastard. Now, I'm right. not saying he wasn't good,
1: right.
0: but I thought that's what I really thought. What right. did you think first of him when you first saw him ball on the court?
3: No, no lie. Like I mean, obviously, I, I grew up a uh, Michael Jordan like, fanatic. Like, that's, that was kind of like my era. I've watched Jordan play. I've watched him win championships. <laughs> so in I think 98 when Kobe's like first all-star game when I seen him play I was like just just the way he played it was literally like a, a split image of of Michael Jordan so it was almost like I, I couldn't not right. watch this guy and and not like him. And just like like you like you mentioned his arrogance, like I was still you know right. I was in high school at the time, so I kind of acted kind of like that that still like that high school oh, okay. like I'm the man kind of thing. And I remember I had a right. I had a fro I had a fro in high school too, just for just because of the Kobe fro. So I was I was a right. Kobe fan as well. I was a Kobe fan as well. But I I understood why people I understood why people didn't like him. He did shoot a lot. He did shoot a lot. Yeah, but so did I. So like. <laughs>
2: You never saw right. a basket you didn't want to beat up,
3: right? Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so well, I mean, that's honest.
2: That's dope. Um, so let's take it back, right? Um, there was a point in your life where basketball became your addiction, I would say, right? Um, can you remember when that was?
3: Four years old. Wow. that's. years my father, he used to. My father worked at the Panama Canal. I remember we were in Panama at the time before I came to the country. And he built, like, my father's like a super handy man. Like he literally can build anything, literally anything. And he built us, he was like a welder too. And he built us literally a, ba- a basketball hoop, of like a full regulation, the same size. Of a park, wow. same same backboard, like I about mean, it was all wood, but it had like a metal rim, like it had a steel rim, like everything with a net, everything. So we always had that in the house.
2: This is so again, this was this
3: like, was in Panama, in Panama. Yeah. yeah, four years old, and we were always, you know, put it outside wow. and and play in the, you know, playing the yard. So I was just literally addicted to basketball before. I've never even watched like my first professional basketball game. Wow. And I remember when I came over here to the the country due to the, like the Manuel Noriega good thing. I remember the US came to get a Manuel Noriega in my city too in Ooh, Panama. Which crazy. Baby. I still remember that. Wait, I tell us live. tell us how that
0: shit went wow. down.
3: Um, I'm yo, like, that's oh, great. Yeah, 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 like like that's like one of like a story that at four years old, for you to remember, that still is like, I remember four years old, we were like sleeping in the middle, and I think it was like two something in the morning, and we just hear like helicopters like in the air, like choppers, like these are loud military type choppers. And next thing you know, you just hear bombs and guns going off, like people just shooting, obviously the, the U.S. Army who came in the middle of the night looking for man, man, wasn't mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it and he was about, I think, maybe two or three blocks from my oh from my. our house. <laughs> <laughs> no way!
0: So y'all no, could
2: y'all could have had bombs what? dropped like right outside yeah, your really.
3: house. It was a it was a war zone on our block. Like our wow. like the, our block was like t- crazy messed up.
0: Wow. But crazy. wait, but
3: prior to them looking for him, you knew that he
0: lived out there at that no point no no, no. He, he, was he,
3: he didn't he didn't live out there. He was just like, hiding there. Like the alone oh, okay, is, okay. is like the now is considered like you know just a bad part of panama but cologne is next to the water so it's like literally deep it's one way in one way out of of cologne Uh. and yeah like he was definitely hiding there i I, i'm not gonna front that was probably one of our best christmases ever uh just to the fact that a lot of people were looting and just (laughs) taking a bunch of stuff (laughs) I had sneakers. We had food, clothes, like a lot of stuff.
2: They would just drop. People would just drop shit off off, off trucks in your house.
3: Right, it was, it was crazy. But, you know, to have to to have like the the U.S. military there to see that like it was. <clears throat> my mother was my mother was here in the U.S. at the time, and she had called like she was like, "No, you gotta like get over here now!" Like she didn't want us, you know, back in in Panama anymore.
2: Got it. So th- so that yeah. was that was the catalyst for you guys to make that move to the States as a family.
3: Right. Yeah.
0: Wow. Wow. And you go, yo, 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 your history's deep, brother. I died,
3: like I hated it when I got here too. Yo, he said tax a lot. I got, here, I got I got here in like January too. Ooh. Mind you, coming from coming from a everyday hundred degrees hot every single yeah. day. And then you land here and there's snowing
2: yeah, it's not a good look.
3: Wow, that's, that's different. You've never seen, never seen snow ever in your life besides like a little TV shows. <laughs> and then to land in this brick ass out here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so did you did you end up in Brooklyn? You know, that where you guys yeah, ended right? up in Brooklyn? We flew to JFK and got to my grandmother's house in Brooklyn.
2: So it was you, Yo. your dad, and you got no. My dad
3: was
0: my dad stayed in Panama. It was oh.
3: my, me, my three, my other two brothers, my grandmother, and my mother. Wow.
0: Wow, what what were you wearing exactly when you landed in JFK?
3: <laughs> I had this, shorts and a tank top. My, my tank grandmother tie. I think my brother, no, 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 my brother had bought like a jacket. To my one of my brothers is already here in New York so oh. He had brought us a us like jackets, like little bubbles, <laughs> some okay. gray bubble coats. <laughs> 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 I was wearing like shorts and tank tops and oh. <laughs> <this> <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> but damn so i right, so you get here but so that me- that's that's a very um unique memory right well both right. of the things you just talked about but but right. back to basketball like your dad constructed for you guys what why did he feel like you guys asked for it or he did he just say yo i think they, i like basketball like what was his thought about that
3: I mean, my father, my father was like, a, like an athlete. Like he played. I mean, you know, those like street guys. Like he played basketball, and I guess it was something just to
2: pass the time. Keep,
3: you know, pass the time. I mean, my brothers are older than me, but I was just like into everything. I was always just outside playing with. I always wanted to play basketball, and either was either soccer or basketball. I was super nice at, at football. I was super nice, dumb nice. Oh, really? Yeah, dumb nice and uh my father just uh constructed that and i actually bought it over here uh <laughs> to the oh, States. I actually, do
2: you still actually, have I think
3: it I, I either made my dad bring it over when he flew over or either we bring it together like they t- he took it apart <laughs> what? i think he took it apart like the the screws and unwelded it and brought it over here and then put it back together and i used to hang it uh i used to hang it outside of my brownstone on the stairs and you know, all my neighbors or whatever that I got friends with after, you know, a couple of years, like, we would have the craziest games in that little, Damn. in that little driveway. That's dope. That's crazy.
2: <laughs> Where is it now? You don't. Any idea?
3: Nah, it's just, we, we dunked, like, by the time I got, got older, we didn't dunk, we didn't dunk that, that rim, like, we did that rim so crazy, <laughs> like, it in the garbage somewhere. <laughs> I wish I still had it, that would have been dope if I still had it, have. It that would have been dope. It would have
0: that's crazy yo you know what first of all I want to say like the name Gary Forbes I would never in my life would have told you, yeah, you know man,
3: I, 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 I lowkey never liked that name man that sounds, like, sounds, like <laughs> like, gener- sounds like the generic uh, sounds like the generic like you know, white name like I don't I don't look like a I don't look like a Spanish or like a or you know a black guy at all <laughs> <laughs> Alright, that doesn't doesn't sound like it. What is right? my, my my parents said it was either Gary or Christian or something like that. Got
0: it. Uh, Gary Gary's fine.
3: Yeah, no, nah, that's nah, cool. It's cool, man. Nah. It, it, it works. That shit works. It works. I yeah, mean, I, that... I, I mean, I go, I go, I really go by G Forbes, like people, like my friends. So that's I don't really hear Gary so much.
2: Alright, so G Forbes.
3: Yeah
2: so you get you get to the states right um and you you know you matriculate into you know school or whatever how quickly are you back into into basketball um after you made the transition to the states
3: um i think i was on my fourth grade well i was on the the elementary school team in fourth grade so i played fourth fifth and sixth grade i was only fourth grade where i played you know so I was always taller than everybody. So you know, I didn't. I always played like the four, <clears throat> the power forward, almost until I think I think I got into junior high school. Or like, I mean, I always I always played like a four or three. So, but until junior high school, when I became like a shooting guard kind of thing. Yeah. But um, yeah, fourth grade it was that's when I started uh, you know playing basketball and taking it seriously really.
2: Did you end up playing basketball. at ISA in all them spots? Yeah,
3: yeah, I played. I played. I played everywhere, man. I, I played uh, basketball is my thing, man. Like, literally, if I wasn't playing basketball, like that was it. So it was basketball, nothing. Played everywhere.
0: Wait, talk, talk to me a little bit about. You say you were dead nice in football. Um, you know, like guys like Akeem Olajuwon come to mind, cause they transition from soccer to 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 foo- uh, to, to basketball. Tell me what what if f at all uh, transitioned with you as far as your game that you took from football to basketball? Like what applied there, if at all?
3: I just think my, my footwork. My footwork yes. is like super nice always. I always had great footwork. Even if I couldn't jump higher than people, I couldn't drill better, I just had just better footwork that I can able to get to the basket or find a way to score. I don't know, like something was was different. I, I don't know. I guess it was the soccer. You know the the yeah,
0: football yeah. game, right? You know, for sure, I had to be. Yeah. Yo, uh, real quick, man. This is a. Didn't you have a little curly fro when you first came
3: to the NBA? Yeah, yeah. I did. No, I mean, no, no. When I first came, I had the I had the dark, the the low season. I I go through so many cuts, man. I I grow my hair. But you had at what point? You had. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, had, you I, had I had it when I was in Toronto. When I was in Toronto, I had the curly fro. All right, I yeah, remember yeah. that. I like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> Toronto, the curly fro. It's
0: yeah. a it's a Kobe tribute, right
3: there. Yeah. Right.
2: The the difference that a, a little haircut made because I, I was like you know scouting around the internet and every di- every different haircut you look like a different person.
3: I do, I do. My girl, my, my girl, said about me few times a day like, yeah, you got you got so many slices and so many different cuts."
2: For you, it's easy, right? Like if God forbid you got to go on the run, all you got to do is grow your hair a little wild and then <laughs>
3: that's it. That's it. I'm a different person, now, man, Maybe shave my beard. <laughs> maybe good teeth. I'm a different person.
2: You go from yo, Gary le, to le,
0: Garibaldi, le, Forbi. <laughs> yo, you legit look younger now than you did back then because of your cut. Let's not talk about that
2: shit. That shit's depressing me right now. Let's let's
0: <laughs> fuck, fuck
2: that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> fuck the youth. You look mad young to me. You look mad young to me. Yeah, I you. yo, yo, I I know I know you talked a little off air about you know. But here's my thing. Okay. I love the NBA very much. And uh, for me, I kind of work backwards a lot of times because sometimes I miss people's, uh, like, high school and I miss their college, for example. So I, I usually work backwards, unless I really, really know. Talk to me a little bit about you as a professional. Did you envision yourself always in the NBA? Or did, were you just cool, like, yeah, I just want to play ball forever and it gets me, it gets me?
3: No, I remember second grade, Miss Walker, we obviously wrote down, like, what? What we have, what we want to be when we grow up, and I've all, like I put, you know, playing the NBA, <clears throat> and you know, Mrs. Walcott, she asked, you know, like everyone is putting down firefighter, police officer, and she was like, "This is like, like she was kind of saying like, you know, this is not normal. This is not like a normal thing that people, you know, grow up to be." And it was always just in my mind, like, no, this is what I want to do. I've never, I've never had a job in my life, which is crazy. Like, I'm so blessed to have never. I worked at McDonald's actually for two weekends, and I could not I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I could not do it. Like I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't do the McDonald's thing. I, I didn't really care about money. I just, I just always loved playing basketball. It's a joy. I loved hearing the squeaks. I love hearing the basketball go through the net. I love the competition. I love working out. Everything about basketball, uh, you know, even getting better like that—that—that that, that drives me like something. Even still today, like I still feel like I can get better. At the age that I am, I don't know something something about basketball that it that it gives you, but <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah real, and I was, that's like, that. Like, like now, I'm even thinking about like yeah, like that. I mean, it's 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 done so much for me, man. It's like taking me literally to places where people normally don't even see. Some people don't even leave Brooklyn. Some people don't even yeah. leave New York. And for me to go to the places that I that I've been because of basketball, but me, but me writing down, you know, I wanted to be a basketball player growing up. I think that was a, you know, that was actually a, a gift, and that's uh, that's also something I believe in, like writing things down. Um, that's like you know writing, it's almost like writing a spell kind of thing, and that's actually a, a thing that I feel that that got me to the NBA because I remember we were in training camp. And I was in, in my hotel in Denver. This is my first time getting a uh, a training camp invite, even though killing getting played a year in college and all that. And I wrote down with the date. I still have it with my Denver Nuggets jersey in the in the, in the, uh, in the uh, you know framed. And I wrote down, you know, I will make this roster make make this the Denver Nuggets NBA roster. And I dated it, signed it, and I kept it all with me through training camp. And, you know, I made the team, which is, you know, which is uh, you know, a great spell to write. And I still, I still do that to this
0: day. Give it up. Give it up for that man right there.
2: <laughs> if, if ever there was a motivation for me to start writing shit down, I think you just hit it right now.
0: Word, word. Cause that's then they got a spot for and me in the NBA right quick. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, they looking for announcers. I heard. <laughs>
0: I Man, you never, you never, yeah, you never know. Never um, love that guy, Gary. I love it. <laughs>
2: but um, was that was that the? I I have to imagine it's not the first time, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. Was that the first big manifestation of something coming to life that you've written down? Yeah,
3: okay. because I like I. I feel like now it's just, I mean, even though growing up, there's just so much, so much noise There's so much negative energy. Like, I believe in positive and negative, negative energy. And I feel like people telling you, you can't do something and you can't do this or you can't be this. And some, some kids, some people actually believe that and they take that, especially from somebody and, you know, other people use it as motivation. Like, no, you can't tell me what to do and, you know, I'm going to prove you wrong. And I feel like I, you know, I use that. Um, you know, and the motivation that people telling me that I can't like. You know, I know people who say, i You know, I know guys like LeBron and KD says that you know I'm not supposed to be here. And I know, you know, the the the, the aspect of growing up in the and you know in the, the neighborhoods that they grow up the hood. But I really feel like I shouldn't have made the NBA. If you really look like, look at the you know the transition of places I came from, came from Panama, Cologne. I am six six, which was you know my blessing. But my my father's five eleven, my my mother's five seven. So you know, how did I get to be six six? Kind of thing. Right. Right. And you know, like I said, you know, to come from Panama with the Manuel Neryega stuff. You know, yeah. to have diabetes, to you know, right. all the stuff, to you know, just writing it down and actually believing it.
0: And like even though when I
3: went overseas, when I didn't get drafted, which I should have gotten drafted. No, talk, your shit, talk your yeah, shit talk your shit i, I should have got drafted you know i definitely should i should have made the all-american game i was the number two shooting guard in the country in man, high school that's crazy should have made the wow. all-american game you know you know i should have made but I, you know i wrote down that you know that spell that i would make the nba and like you know, it happened
2: you you um you talk to- you talk about your journey and it is a it's an amazing story um on many levels, uh. Your transition from – I know we're skipping steps here, but we'll get back to some of this. Um, your transition from Banneker to the NCAA, like how, how fast did that come around? Because I have to imagine throughout Band- you know, your career at Banneker, you're you know, you a high-level talent, right? Um, but you were also playing at the PSAL, which in the context of New York basketball is 1A compared to like the Catholic high school – you know, league, right. right. So more attention is paid to the Catholic High School League when recruiting happens and that kind of thing. And I feel like PSAL, because it's so big uh, and there's so many good players, it's hard to start picking folks to go D1, mid-major and above. You ended right. up at Virginia. Right. How, does, yeah, how does that happen?
3: Um, I de- it definitely wasn't because of Banneker. Even though we had success, you know, we were you know, always in the top five in the city. You know, like I said, we won our sophomore year, went to the States, lost our senior year. But I think it was due to my AU team playing with Riverside. Because if I had played at a Catholic school, I probably would have made the All-American game. Right. But it was probably, you know, due to playing even though the numbers I was putting up, I probably averaged like thirty something in high school, but you know, it still didn't matter because like you said, they look at the PSL as a as a step you know, down. Right, 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 yeah. right. But um, you know, it was definitely due to, you know, the, the summer that I had in, in Riverside, you know, playing with Riverside oh. Church and you know, I had a couple of scholarship offers. You know, I know I'm not supposed you know, I know I'm not supposed to feel that you know, change decisions or you know, everything happens for a reason, but if I could have done it over again, I would have went to Georgia Tech because they went to the, the, the national championship game that <laughs> <year. But laughs> I was sick, sick, sick. I, I probably I, I probably would have played and probably would've got myself a, a national championship ring. I'd have been I'd have been one and done. Wow.
0: <laughs> That's good. But you know what? I mean I, I understand that and uh, looking back in retrospect. My thing about it is like how did you feel as far as when you went to Virginia, how you felt like your team would do as you entered Virginia? Did you feel like you were? Did you have high expectations? Did you guys think you guys think you were gonna make it far? Like, or did you think like, ah, who knows? Let's, let's let's see how it goes. I'm
3: I'm I'm so well. People are like I, I guess I don't think normally. Like I always just think the best. Like I think I got there. Yeah, we are gonna win the national championship. Like every everywhere I go, like. Like, what am I supposed to think? Am I supposed to think, "Yo, we're gonna <laughs> lose"? Like, I've I've never <laughs> gone into I've never gone into a situation feeling like, "Oh, I'm gonna lose." Like, I sure, understand sure. things happen, but no, we're gonna win the national championship or we're gonna win the NBA championship. Like, every single you know, I I always feel we're gonna win. I don't know. I
0: I, I respect that. I do respect that. And I love you, guys. Optimism. I'm uh, from your team, like you and I. Know of what your team, the makeup of your team, yeah, was. Right, right, with right. you in there and the rest of your team, how do you feel like the talent pool was, like in comparison to other teams at the time? That's where I'm at with it. You know what I mean? No, we were we
3: were really good, man. We had also at Virginia, we had Derek Byers, who also transferred to uh, Vanderbilt, and he also got Player of the Year at Vanderbilt, which is SEC. Mm-hmm. I transferred to UMass, got Player of the Year in the A10. So you got two player of the year caliber players along with, right. you know, Sean Singletary, J.R. Reynolds, uh, you know, Elton Brown. So we had a really great team. You know, could have been a coach, uh, you know, it could have been our style of play, but, um, you know, we definitely underachieved, I think, for our talent.
2: Hmm. I, I want to bring it back for a second. Um, you mentioned we talked a little bit about, you know, writing things down and having that kind of be uh, a spell, if you will, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. I think that is a, a practice most people should should take on. However, I think that's not the end all be all, right? Meaning, just because you wrote it down, don't right. expect the shit to just fall on your lap. Right,
3: right, right. And I right, think right.
2: a lot of people get, get that kind of confused, right? They'll that's use
3: it's it. a small part of it.
2: Right, right. That's that's you kind of putting your mind to it and getting the universe to kind of align around what you want. But at the same time, you got universe don't give a fuck like it is like yo oh you want that oh you better go bust your ass and go get it right Right. um and i I just want to drive that point home because i know based on what you've talked about and just where you are in your in your career i know you put in the work right i know that um you you probably been through things to come out of the other side like with the talent that you have that a lot of people don't know because you we only see the after effect right like uh, we don't we don't really see the hard work you put in so like to that same in that same vein like can you take us back to like what may, maybe was a, a, a really rough stretch or a really rough period as far as you having to work extremely hard to have that success shine through later in life
3: i think i've had two uh, my first one not more than two <coughs> but my first one um i I think I was in high school. I was I was really I, I knew I was really good, but um I was playing for Brooklyn Bridge at the time, which was a AAU team. Oh no, I'm I'm sorry, not Brooklyn Bridge, but playing for Juice All Stars at the time, which was uh, you know, basically Sebastian's team. It was Sebastian Telfield, all the Lincoln guys, a couple of guys from Brooklyn and like I wasn't getting the the playing time that I, I felt that I that I deserved, like. And I know we were in practice one day, and, you know, I challenged one of the guys to a one-on-one who was ranked in the city higher than me. And I was just like, yeah, there's no way this guy's, like, better than me, man. Like, he was ranked, like, way—I don't think I was ranked in the city at the time, but he was ranked in the city, and I'm just like, yeah, this guy's not better than me. We're on the same team, but, you know, we played one-on-one. And the coach at the time, the, the juice all star coach was, like, watching, and, you know, I beat him one-on-one, and they made me pay to go to five-star. Like, I was the only one of the players that paid to go to five—like, I paid partial to go to five-star. And the coach wow. from Riverside was at the uh, at the five star uh, you know at the firestar camp, and you know told me to transfer over. and I think from you know that moment of you know I felt you know disrespected like you know, I put in this hard work. I know I'm better than this guy. I just don't get the you know the opportunity a chance to. I think that that changed just my level, and then once we played them, and I had the unbelievable game at ISA. I remember you, you mentioned ISA. Yeah, yeah. We played them at ISA, and I don't know if you were, if you know that ISA has this saying on the back of the, your jerseys: "Don't bring your name, bring your game." Yeah, that came from the juice, or I mean, from Riverside beating Juice All Star when Sebastian came in there. Don't bring your name, bring your game. Oh. <laughs> So that's where that saying comes from. We beat them, and it was, like, a, a huge game. And, you know, that just changed my whole perspective, like, you know, of of me playing basketball. Like, you know, I know I'm really, really good. I just got to, you know, just keep working at it. And, you know, not only that, I, remember, I you just mentioned the the hard work and writing it down, but you also really have to believe because you're going to get tested. You're going to get tested with, you know, negativity or, or things to really test to see if you really do want it. Because yeah. like, some people say that, you know, they want something, but they don't really actually mean you know, They may want the you know the you know to be you know in the big mansion, but you know they don't want to really do the work to actually get there. Yeah. So it's a right. you know it's 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 uh, it's a mixture of things that that come on with manifesting your your dreams.
0: Uh, I love that, mm. and thank you for sharing that. That's a lot of wisdom that I definitely am going to invoke. I have a quick question though. You have diabetes, right? And, and I want to know, first and foremost, when you were diagnosed, was it a child, like you were born into it? And what was your mindset with this, with diabetes? Like, did it alter anything or was it just like, okay, this is what it is and I'm just going to adjust and that's it? All right,
3: I'm, like, I was I was kind of ignorant as much people, I feel like everyone is, to diabetes. Um, like, my father has it, my grandfather passed away from it. And I used to see my father, you know, do the injections, you know, every every day. But I never, I, you know, I never really asked too much about it. You know, I just felt like it was normal. Like, it it, it didn't really change anything about him. He still worked out. He still ate the same food. But, you know, my father's a real, you know, health expert. Like, he takes great care of himself. But um, the first time that I got it, I remember I was in Virginia. And I was 190 pounds at the time. I was super skinny. Like, flaco, flaco. Right. The, Then, uh, you know, they had these Gatorade shakes, which, you know, had a lot of sugars in them that, you know, that help you be they help you get bigger. And after my freshman year, I was like 228. Damn. So like, I yeah, I was like super, like super But my father always, you know, scolded me about it and, you know, told me that those has, you know, a lot of sugar, you know, diabetes runs in your family, but I I never, you know, I'm so active, I'm an athlete, you know, I didn't really like pay attention to it. And we went away for the summer. And uh, during like summer break and I lost 20 pounds in one week. Like I was literally like wow. urinating every day. So like the first day, like I checked, I checked the scare. Like I'm, I felt like kind of light. So like the first day I'm like 222. I was like, bro, I was literally 228 two days ago. Like there's no way you lose six pounds that fast. The next day comes, I'm like 214. And the, the day when I called the doctors at Virginia, I was like 207 wow but i'm like like literally like pissing every day like i'm going to the bathroom like as soon as i drink something i'm going to the bathroom as soon as i eat something i'm going to the bathroom because you know your pancreas is overworked like your pancreas can't produce any insulin to break the the foods down
0: right
3: so get back to virginia they test me and it's like yo you have you know types uh you know type one diabetes and you're going to be insulin dependent I'm super scared of needles, even though I have tattoos or whatever, I'm super petrified of needles. Yeah, And I remember my first time I had to, you know, take insulin, you know, like I cried, like, you know, I'm thinking it's over, like, you know, I think basketball is over, like, you I got to, you know, freaking stick myself every day and, yeah. you know, it's going to be, you know, hard for people to want to, you know, want a diabetic on their team just because of the wrist. ignorance of it. Yeah. So I remember the first day I had to take insulin, like, you know, I cried, I cried, I cried. I'm a super cry baby, man. So like I didn't want to take the insulin. And, you know, I ended up doing it. And, you know, it was all like like you said, it was something that I, I figured that that would end my career. Because, you know, no one's I've never heard of anyone in the NBA with diabetes. Never really heard of any basketball player with diabetes. Yeah. So that's that's not a normal thing to to, to hear. <clears throat> but Uh, there was like a honeymoon period and, and I really like took my health, um, you know, seriously after that and, and just still wanting to, like, I still, I still had that belief that I was still going to make it to the NBA with diabetes. Like, this doesn't matter. Like, this is not going to, you know, stop me from doing that. Like, you know, okay. I got to take a couple, I got to take insulin. I got to take injections. just like someone takes vitamin C. It's just something to, you know, pass along to get me through the day.
2: Right. And and did you ever feel like? um, Sorry to cut you off. Did you ever feel like you had to? I mean, because Virginia was the one, the doctors at Virginia were the ones who diagnosed you, right? Right. Um, you you're probably thinking, all right, like you said, like this is the end of the road, pretty much. Like it might pull your scholarship down. Like
3: right, 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 right. It's over, right?
2: How how did that?
3: Then I'm by myself too. Like I'm by myself at Virginia, no family.
2: Right. So like. How did that not happen? Because you know, you mentioned you don't hear about basketball players with diabetes. I have to imagine there are, and there are probably plenty. I don't. I couldn't tell you who they are, right? Like, right. did you got, start to look at that and kind of really see what the landscape looked like, or, or were you just like, you know, full panic mode, like, yo, this is this is over?
3: No, nah, like, a little a partial, like, partial part of me was in panic mode. Like, I, like I didn't know what was gonna happen. But you know, I had my brother who was kind of close. My brother lived in Baltimore at the time, which is like a two three hour drive from Virginia. And you know, he just you know you know told me everything was going to be good. You know, you're still going to be all right, and the coaches there were, were 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 great about it. Their medical staff was unbelievable about it, uh, taking care of me. And you know, I had a I had a pretty pretty solid sophomore year. Uh, you know, before I transferred to UMass.
0: Yo, I, I gotta say, man, like I. I'm, I'm impressed with you because I would think that that kind of news, even though you're a lot older still, like, would impact you psychologically. Like, at right. least, I mean, any, in my opinion, anyway. But it just shows me, anyway, like, the fortitude you have, like, the perseverance that you have. Like, you're like, I'm getting it done. Right, oh, right. A building can land in my head. I'm just going, I'm, I'm going to go get right. it done. Talk to me about that. Were you always that kind of person? Like if you had to endure, you endured it and that's it? Or did you develop that because you just had the belief of you being a professional basketball player?
3: No, I think that's just always been in me, man. Like, I've always had that belief that I can do something. Like, you know, I, I grew up in church, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Like, you know, those sayings, you know, if you believe in something, you can do it. So, like, I feel like all these things are not for no reason like you know humans have done you know great things like so why like what is you know why can't i like
1: yeah. maybe
3: maybe my great thing may not be freaking you know playing basketball you know maybe my great thing may be something but if you're if you can do it and you can feel like people can feel great about doing something just like you guys are doing this podcast i know you guys feel great Doing that, so you guys have a passion about it that can go super even further. This is the era of podcast, so right. this right. this can go even like further if you know you believe and and do those things. So like, why can't why Thank can't you do something that they want to do?
2: Amen to that. Uh, I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I, lo- I love I love the anecdotal clap. Um, so Pete Gillen uh, resigns, right? Um, and from what I gather, he he never took another coaching job after that. I don't know what the, the nah, reasons did, were. Right, so he kind of retired from the game, if you will. Uh, to... You said, you know what, it's probably time for me to find another place. I have to imagine one, the one, one big thing is you kind of lose that Brooklyn connection because you and Gillen being from Brooklyn, there's, I'm sure there was a lot that you guys – were able to, like, see eye to eye on, right?
1: Okay, yeah.
2: Um, two, the new coach, usually how it works from what I understand, new coach comes in, you're not their player that they recruited or their staff recruited, you kind of get shunned, you know, a lot of the time. So well, My situation
3: is actually different. Okay, my situation is yeah. actually, actually a little different. But actually, me and P. Gunn didn't get along as great as – You should have? As we should have, being from Brooklyn. Maybe I was, you know, he's from the Bay Ridge area. I'm from Bed-Stuy, so still, you know, Brooklyn is super huge. Splitting hairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So just the Brooklyn attitude kind of came out of me, and just he was coaching in Virginia and had Virginia players, so it was kind of different. And when I transferred to UMass, Travis Ford, which is – unbelievable coach man like he was a new coach at the time so I was kind of his recruit he had about two or three transfers that came in with him so I was kind of his guy that came in with him so you know it felt it felt good to go to uh you know to a place like that Massachusetts I was actually had three three schools to go to I had Memphis at USC and I had UMass and my AU coach told me that you know, either, you know, go to a small pond and be a big fish or go in a big pond and be a small fish. Like, which one do you want? Hold on, and wait. Tell me. me, I,
2: I got to ask. So, Derek Rose, was he at Memphis? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, damn, wait, did, did Chucky e. Martin recruit you?
0: Yeah. <laughs> small world. That's the homie.
2: Yo, okay, let's talk about that a little bit. So, did you know... What did you know about the team that Memphis was putting together before you made your decision?
3: I didn't really, I not really know anything. I was actually more, more going towards USC because I was actually supposed to get a little, little paper to go to USC. Ah, uh, we,
0: so, we can talk about that.
3: We can talk about. I was just, Talk your to shit, to get, Gary Forbes. Like, talk your
0: shit. I was
3: supposed to get a little bread to go to USC, but um, just like being closer to Brooklyn and. I just felt like UMass it was just a place to be. I had an had a assistant coach, Steve Middleton, who's also from Brooklyn, that was on the staff. So it just he made me feel like super at home. This is my guy. We still talk to this day. And you know, UMass was the a, a great decision for me. I feel. So
2: so how often do you get back to, to Amherst, if at all? I haven't.
3: I haven't in a while, man. Like Amherst is a far it's it's kinda of far, man. Yo, you you <laughs> fr-
2: you fronting so hard right now. Listen. <laughs> you need to go get over there and go have some Antonio's pizza, bro.
3: Nah, bro. That is literally the best. Like people don't understand. They don't get it. That is the best Pizza in the world, Yo, bro. My man, listen. The best. Well,
2: see, coming from you, that says a lot because you've been around this motherfucker a few times. Right. I mean,
3: I mean, New York, New York slices are obviously like the, the yeah, New York yeah. regular slices. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's it. But Antonio's there, the way they put the chicken bacon ranch, like, come on, though.
2: <laughs> Yo, let me tell you something, man. Uh, so I, we recent, we recently had Lou Ro, um, UMass Gray on the show, right?
1: Okay.
2: And after the, the we finished. So I went up to UMass to record that episode. After oh. we finished, I was like, Yo, Lou, I gotta go get some some Antonios before I head back to New York. You wanna roll? He was like, Yeah. I was like, <laughs> shit. And he lived in the area. And then he was he he was drooling. So I was like, right. nah man, this is special. That
3: that and the hangar was my go-to. Oh yeah. Bro like yeah. Like you don't understand, bro. Like I think I lived (laughs) on that every single day, bro. And you was
2: an athlete. So then you didn't have to pay for shit, I bet.
3: They was like, Yo, come through, son the hell yeah, Antonio's bro. Like I love I love you, man.
2: UMass was dope, man. Oh man. All right. I'm, I'm sorry. I digress. Right, right, right. <laughs> the right, right, the right, good right. times. Oh,
3: nah, people don't understand, that's, man. People don't understand so Antonio's ridiculous. pizza, man. Like that it does this to you, man. It takes you back. It does.
2: And, and yo, so so I, I mentioned like how often you get up there. Like I literally make a voyage to UMass. I try to go now that I live on the East Coast again, I try to go every year.
3: I'm, uh, gonna go, I'm gonna go this summer. I'm gonna go this summer. Because I, I still have my player of the year trophy up there too that I have
2: to get. Uh, oh, it's still there.
3: Yeah, it's still there. They still have it there in the case shining, but I gotta get my shit. Man. So what? Well, shit,
2: here's what we're gonna do I'm gonna shave my beard a little bit. I'm gonna try to figure <laughs> out how to get my complexion a little bit like yours. I'm gonna, I'm gonna run up in there on stilts
1: there and joint. try to go get that joint. I'll
2: bring it
0: to you. <laughs> Yo, I'm Gary. I'll bring it to you. <laughs> Yo. They so would be like, yo, you're a little bit shorter than I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. That was true.
2: So so let's let's get into the UMass chapter of the story here, um, in a little more detail. So um you kind of fast forwarded a little bit. You you won Player of the Year in the A ten. Um you, you decided UMass because it was closer to home, you got some advice from folks, you were re- you know, you knew one of the assistant coaches, like it, it was a little bit more comfortable. Right. Um you get there. What's your first impression of ba- being a basketball player for the University of Massachusetts?
3: No, it was super different, man. Coming from the ACC, nothing like, like going against UMass. I love UMass now. I had to It's a whole different conference, wave, different like, conference. Whole different conference, and I get there, and I'm just like, Yo, this looks totally different than the ACC. Like Virginia is a beautiful, one of the most beautiful campuses in yeah. the country. Yeah. Like, like top five, probably in in the world. And then they go to Amherst, Massachusetts, it's just like... A step down. A step down. You can say it. It's all right. A step down. A step down. Visually, visually, a step down. Visually, a step down. But I had 10 times more fun at Massachusetts than I did at Virginia. 10 times.
2: Now you have to tell us some of those things. I mean,
3: at the time when I went there, it was, I think, number two party school in the country. Yeah, that's
2: not a good good stat to be throwing around if you're an academic school. It's not,
3: but... I mean, we had it fun. Man. Like, I, I I realized why they called it Zoomass at the time. Like, man, we had we had fun. We had fun. We had a lot of fun, man. And I lived off campus too, which was which was a benefit too. Being athlete, all the athletes, our whole team lived off campus. So wow. we we had a but, we had a lot of fun.
0: But you gotta, you gotta figure that's part of the allure of college, right? I mean, like, yo, you a bowler in college? That's fun. Gotta come with that, man. There's gotta yeah. be some perks. So
3: nah, the fact actually, that you actually, are man, our, our coach, man. You know what I'm mean? saying? Nope. Like, we 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 worked hard, man. We used to get up. At, <laughs> no. we used to get up at fucking five in the morning, man, and yes. just in the oh. snow, like five in the morning. Have practice from five to seven, then individuals from like nine to ten. Then go to class. Then have another practice at like four thirty. And then if you really want to be good, you want to go back in the gym late at night to get extra shots. And like and don't forget you still got school. Then don't forget, you still gotta eat. Right. And then don't forget you're still in college. You wanna have a social life. So like that's yes. that all in tell, like of being an athlete is not is not as peachy as people make it. Like obviously the benefits from it are great. But the guys who you know who really work, like they do have to do a lot, man. It is a lot to, to, to bear on the college athlete. And the fact that you know, some of them are getting. You know, but, but, you know I know the. You know, people do want to get these players played, and I feel like they should because you know the NCAA makes billions, billions, disgusting
2: billions. amount of
0: money. Yo, it's, it's funny. <laughs> I was just about to ask you about this because I feel like what you just described is work to me. Right. You know, you're going in there at four to five to six, seven, eight. You're working. You know what I mean? It's you, and it's because it's taking time away or potentially. Especially taking the time away from school, let's say, or or social life or whatever, like you're pulling in jobs, you know, and hours. Tell me about did you have a conflict back then about the idea that you're so much hours or you feel like all oh, right this is the way to get to the MBA? And then also do you feel now, or you already mentioned it, like the idea of like college students should be getting paid.
3: I mean I mean, looking back at it hindsight now, I do think, you know, that yeah, like we were like doing a lot but I mean it was like it was actually like I didn't I didn't look at it as like work you know I enjoyed it obviously sometimes school was tough having to do papers having to you know come in you know from a road trip and got papers due the next day and studying all that stuff you know we don't have the same kind of hours to put in that time of school work as you know regular students do but you know it was just like like you said it was just something that you know you had to do like it wasn't you know nothing that I looked at as bad or but now looking back at the hindsight, I just think that the hours and the 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 benefits that the NCAA gets from it, it should it should be dispersed around to the players as well to make the, you know, to make going to college you know easier and and more fun. Like you said, like living off stipend checks, you know, ain't, uh, ain't, <laughs> ain't easy either, man. Ain't like that stuff goes quick, man. You <laughs> know, you're growing athletes. Like these are at like athletes that are trying to you know get to the next level. So for them to to you know, to eat the right way or eat healthy or you know to do the right things is, is is hard. Did
2: you graduate from UMass?
3: Yes, I did. Yes, oh, I did. My mother made me, man. My yes. Me. I mean.
2: See, that's the thing, though. Like, um,
3: it was the first, first in my family, man. Oh, really? Oh, so yeah, yeah. You, were the, you, were the, you were the you were the you the
2: baby too, right? Yeah, oh. man, I'm the baby. So baby you were the, six. You were the last hope. So your mother was in your
3: ass. So you you better All right, man. <laughs> She wasn't playing, man. My mother wasn't playing, man. My but my mother, man, is a warden. Like she is super strict, man. Super. That's usually nice how lady. it is. Great, great lady. Nice lady. Super strict.
2: That's usually how it is. The shortest person in the household is usually the one that's got the, <laughs> the, the the whip on tight.
1: Yeah, man.
0: Right. I mean, she ain't that short. Five seven ain't that bad. Well, I'm yeah, saying compared to life.
2: y'all, she's probably the shortest in the compared house. Compared to your yeah, yeah, girl, yeah, yeah, y'all, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> you like
3: this? mama. You know what I'm saying? I'm
2: that's, that's my, my homie. homie, man. So, so you, um, you, you settle in the UMass. You guys are, you know, moving in the right direction. Um, well, as far as you know, building team and kind of moving, moving that way. Um, when what was it your senior season that you won player of the Yeah, okay. senior season. All right. So so what was the build up to that? Like what what were the things that happened like almost perfectly for you to achieve that?
3: Um like I went to I went to like I think a camp that summer. It was like a like a like not an NBA camp, but like one of the top uh Top camps was like a Reebok camp where they invited counselors, different college players, top college players from all around the country. And just like I had a great, great, uh, you know, showing their camp. And I came back to school going into senior season with just like a, a different chip on my shoulder. One, this is my last year. This is my team now. The the year before, one of my, you know, one of my good friends, Stefan Lazman, he won play of the year. Um, the You year played. Before, so you
2: played like, behind him, I think, right? Or you shared yeah, minutes with? Okay. No, I mean, we're, we're like we starting.
3: He was a four man. I was a three. Okay, and, okay. Uh, like we had a really good team. We underachieved too at UMass, right? and like now looking back, at it, we had a great team. And um, you know, I just remember going into that senior year, like, like I just my 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 goal, my eyes were selfishly on the NBA, but I knew together, like, yo, we have to win in order for us to get this. Like, whatever we have to do to get there for also to get me there, you know, was right. was right. what we had to do. <laughs>
0: that's dope. Did, were you ever um intimidated by cause you know, this is the reason why I lose certain players in college. There's so many players, right? So many yeah. thousands,
3: yeah, and thousands a, of right, players.
0: Right. Did, were you ever intimidated by the idea of like you know there's so many players so many like so much going on so much greatness around you that you could kind of get lost in the shuffle or was it just your your belief so strong in you that it didn't matter what was going around you were still gonna make
3: it? No, kind of like that I mean i I always did some things like I guess my life worked out like eventually somehow just for me just doing the same things over and over and over again working hard like I, it just happened to come to fruition but um you know, I kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit in high school. I think I should have been, you know, like I said, I should have been in um, I should have been in the All American game in college. You know, I felt that I should have been, you know, <laughs> third team All American instead of being on the honorable mention in college. Um, should have got drafted, but just like that, like like I said, like I said before, those signs, like those were tests for me to see if, like, you know, do you really want to get, you know, to your dream? Do you really want to like? A dream is just part of you know part of part of it. Like you can have a dream, but like you said, like you have to go through things to see you know if you really you're really about that. And you know those those tests. You know having diabetes, not you know selecting all American, not you know getting drafted, you know going overseas. All those things were like tests to see if you know you know I could I could make it. Hmm. What?
0: Yo, man! This, if this if this episode ain't inspiring <laughs> nobody, it's inspiring my ass.
3: <laughs> that's good. That's good. I did my job, man. I did my job. I, I taking I'm soaking shirt. this shit up. <laughs> I did my job. Mister. Uh, <laughs> Work.
2: So, so you you graduate UMass and then you take off overseas. Is that right?
3: Yeah, I went to Italy first.
2: Italy. So. You, you, you're, What's your expectation when you finish that season? Right? Are you expecting? I, right, I'm, I'm gonna get picked up in the draft. I, like, what, what was going through your mind? What were your agents telling you? Or your uh, agent? I
3: had a guarantee. I had a guarantee at 25 to Houston. I had a guarantee at 28. I think it was that time to Memphis. And I had a guarantee at 43 to Charlotte, which the GM of Charlotte told me like, "There's no way you're gonna be here," because you know, like I said, I went to these pre-draft camps. I got, you know, MVP of Portsmouth. Uh, I averaged 23 points in 22 minutes at Orlando free draft camp. Jesus
0: Christ! What the hell? What are they looking for? This guy doesn't.
3: <laughs> so, you know, like, he's
2: all the things, he don't dribble. Like yeah, I'm good. He don't dribble. He's just shooting.
3: Just bomb. Right. Um. So the <laughs> thing that the thing that kind of like fucked everything up was, you know, I wasn't really vocal about diabetes during you know high school. I mean during college, so no one knew that. I had diabetes, no one knew I was playing with diabetes besides maybe the local people in Massachusetts, those papers and things like that, but it wasn't anything broadcasted and you know my tests uh, you know, my blood tests came in, and it you know it showed up on you know these guys who were trying to invest millions of dollars you know in a, in a product in a sense. yeah you know, i I get it hindsight looking back, you know you're not gonna take a you know a, an investment like that, but Adam Morrison had just played you know the year before i got drafted number three but remember adam morrison was very vocal about you seen him sticking himself on the bench you Uh, know with with but that wasn't my diabetes like i didn't have to do that i was more mine was in like a little bit not not better control not not better control i'm sorry about that not better control but um you know it was just you know a little bit different and less in your face
2: type of diabetes like the treatment for it it wasn't as yeah
3: i mean it was just like different like people don't understand like diabetes is is different man like i can wake up today and literally do the same thing that i did yesterday and my sugars will be just just different it just depends on moods and things that you do and things like that so um you know to to have that blood test come in and then i'm literally sitting with my family like watching the draft and players are getting ahead of me. I'm talking about that I killed in camp. Like, Ooh, killed who? in these workouts. Ooh, name one. And, um, <laughs> i trying to say, Trent placed it, like, went at 43 to Detroit, or 48 to Detroit, which they called me, and it was, you know, would you go overseas if we called your name? And the only thing I wanted to hear was like, yo, just call my name, man. Like, right. right. And, you know, all 60 picks When I remember, yo, I cried, Damn. cried, cried like a motherfucker that night. Like, I did every single thing, like, I had to do it. and just not to hear my name be called, man. Like I thought, like damn, like yeah, that's that's fucked up. But the the next day, like I literally switched. Like my mind was like, all right, what's next? Like how do I get there? like I still get there, wow. like... <clears throat> and I went to uh I went to the summer league. I didn't have a great summer league. Um, just like just it was just like a lot of things bounced off to be like the business aspect. Some players had guarantees, kind of things like that. And I went overseas for two years, I went to Italy twice. Um Also played in the D league my first year yeah. um playing overseas. But um yeah, I went to Italy twice and my, mm. my, I think the, the year, the, my second year was what, what kind of like helped me get, I guess not, get, not get confidence, but just get like just overall reps and playing as a professional, playing overseas, you're playing a lot of minutes, you're getting a lot of touches kind of thing. So I came back, um, to training camp to Denver, I just had like, I guess, a swag about me. Like, listen, this, this like, the fact that Denver was the only team that gave me an opportunity it was either like, this is one shot, you got one shot to do it. Like, it was either, it's, a go it's home. either just to go home, man. Like, that's it,
0: yo, man. Yo, you got something, and you special, bro. Because they'll to flip you came from balling out crying, and then the next thing you switched it, like, yo, son, yo,
3: All right, right, <laughs> what's that? Like, like.
0: <laughs> yo, I'd have been like, I can't. <laughs> that would have made a movie out of me for after the draft. But yo, that that's dead ass, yo. I'm like so like that's inspirational right there. Like God bless you for that. Like that's perseverance at its maximum. My quick question to you is like again, you go into the NBA uh, summer league, right? And you say you had a you had a bad time there. Did your... Confidence waver at all after that? Did you feel like, damn, I can't play with these guys, or was it just like, damn, I'm just having a rough go? What was your mind? Yeah, it
3: was like I remember. I remember like I remember I had a bad game, or like I didn't get as many minutes as I as I wanted to one game. Like man, I like that's one thing about me. I'm a super crybaby man. I remember I was on the phone with my sister-in-law, and like I went outside, like the went outside the gym, and I was on the phone. And like we're talking, I'm just like complaining. I'm like, yo, just like, yeah, this is fucked up. Like, I literally was just like, how did it just like, how did the the situation just change? I was just at the top, at the peak, and then to you know to hit a valley like that was just like real tough for me emotionally. But you know, my family has always been like, you know, just pick yourself up. You know, what's next? You know, super positive. Never like, you know, never really stuck on things like we just always just move on to the to the next thing like that's what that's what you gotta do days move on hours seconds move on like you just got to move on to the next mm. thing and i think like going to going to italy and going to these places i think it it helped me
2: in, in your career do do you think do have you experienced was, reg- regret would you consider anything that you've experienced a regretful
0: experience, experience.
3: um no, nah, man. Cause like I th- like I said, like in the end of like the end story is gonna be like super greater than what like this stuff like going on is. Like, like like my end, my end story is gonna be way bigger than this present moment. Like everything that's that's happening, everything that's you know, culminating together. I feel like it's supposed to happen for that.
2: Your yeah. your segue game is amazing. So we should just <laughs> we should just stay right there. Um, so so given, you know, your your current season got cut short, um, you're now, you know, like the rest of us, kind of in, in quarantine mode for the most part. What, what does... Yeah,
0: he ain't quarantined at all. He's looking like he's <laughs> chilling in the car. I mean, you chilling right should, now. you know, little too chilling. Back though. to Chicago highways <laughs> are
3: getting dark. <laughs> what does
2: what is, what is the foreseeable future <laughs> look like? i'm sorry i don't know if you heard me i said what does the foreseeable future look like for you
3: um for me actually uh and i forgot to mention too i had uh five or six knee surgeries too as well which was you know like a a major thing that's actually my i had uh, a scope in college when i was in umass which was like a, a little like you know little little knee surgery and um after my, I think it was after my year in China that I played. I had a great year in China and I came home. I always had a, a clause in my contract because I always had a, they did an MRI and I had a slight tear in my meniscus and they always had a clause in my contract. Like if something happened to your knee, your contract would be null and void. So the year I came back, I, I played in Denver, played in Toronto, um, played in Houston. So the year I came back from China, um, You know, I I decided to just get a knee surgery to, you know, to to clean my meniscus just so there wouldn't be no clause in my contract. Like, it would just, you know, just be a straight up regular deal. I wouldn't have to make it to a certain date or something like that. And I guess the surgery wasn't a great surgery. Uh, I went to training camp with the Brooklyn Nets. I was literally supposed to make the team um had a that was a year that paul pierce and kevin Garnett and all those guys were there literally i was wow. maybe one one situation away and um you know i had a, a diabetic episode during training camp oh, uh, which um was you know the, it was kind of like obviously like a you know a bad thing i was uh i feel like obviously it didn't happen my situation would be different but I feel like it was supposed to happen due to you know the the story, the things that I'm doing right now. Um, just to have that like okay. that scary episode to have uh, you know diabetic episode happen. You know when you're literally so close to the you know to to getting back to your you know to your to your destiny to your goal. Actually, let me get out of here. Um, so yeah, that stay was, six uh, feet
2: away from anybody. Be
3: careful. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> So, um, that was a... Oop, my bad. el carro. Uh, I think, a, a bad situation that happened. um, after that, you know, they had to release me. Can you hear
1: me?
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Okay, yeah, so after that, they had to, uh, to release me.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And... Um, I think after, after that I went to, where did I go to after the Brooklyn Nets? Uh, I played in Argentina, and I went overseas again. I played in like a couple other places, South America. had the, the knee surgery issue. Um, I actually had, no, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. I had two knee surgeries. So I had back-to-back knee surgeries, which the, the, the recovery for the knee surgery is nine months oh. so i had to do a whole year of of rehab right so that was that was kind of tough and people don't understand that being a diabetic there uh, we go brighter being a diabetic it's uh like it's it's tough to it's tough to like heal like your, your healing process like your body doesn't heal as fast as it should Due to you know you having diabetes, so the nine months was actually a little bit longer for me just because you know I couldn't do things right away. And the next summer, I or the next the next fall, I'm I'm training to you know to get ready for you know for Bassmaster and try to get a job. And I you know the surgery wasn't a good surgery. So I had to get, uh old surgery, which is like a major. And that that second surgery, I actually had a staph infection. Oh which is literally like probably like the oh. worst the worst pain anybody has ever felt. Wow. Um, so yeah, the staph infection was like super tough.
0: No, Yo, you was being tested.
2: Damn, son. So so how does that all um kinda create what what's up next for you because you mentioned you got a couple things is, that, my uh, bad. is there
3: any way that we can pause this yeah uh, pause. Call right back.
2: so so let's pick it up because um you were talking about the kind of you know the episode that you had when you was at camp with the brooklyn nets so why don't we start from there um and then kind of work our way to like what life's looking like in the foreseeable future for you what you're thinking about doing and that kind of thing
3: Oh, yeah, like, my last, like, close stint with the NBA, I think it was, like, 2014 was with the Brooklyn Nets, and I was, like, super close to making the team. Obviously, I'm a veteran player. Guys know me, and, um, you know, I was playing great, and, you know, I had – during that time, I was just recovering from, um, you know, one of my knee surgeries, my my first small knee surgery, which was uh, – a you know, a meniscectomy, like, just fixing my meniscus, and, you know, I had, like I said, I had a uh, a diabetic episode during that, uh, during that time, and, you know, even though I was playing great, like, you know, they just couldn't, you know, take a risk like that, you know, for it happening, even though I was, never missed a game, never missed a practice, you know, it just happened during, you know, during, like, after practice or one of those things um, that happened, and um, after that, luckily for me, man, like, What's was crazy is Brooklyn actually took care of me. They paid for my my two surgeries. Um, it came to it came to the realization. That they did an MRI because I was on their, their D League team, and they were gonna like call me up during the year, like you know just you know just keep me down in their farm team. And it came to I had an MRI that you know I had a, you know knee issue, and I had to get you know knee surgery. And, you know, the Ness played for, you know, that first surgery, which took nine months to uh, recover from. It's a, it's a major surgery. It's called OATS, mm. which basically they graft cartilage from, you know, another area in your body or another person and, you know, implant it in yours. Well,
2: I didn't even so, know you could do that. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. Science is crazy, man. So the first year, you know, I went through the went through a rehab process and it was just like super tough because, you know, being a diabetic, um, you know, it's hard to recover from, you know, one day cut open, you know, you cut open your knee and cut nerves and stuff like that. So it's just, you know, a hard transition to kind of recuperate and regenerate those things back like a normal human being. So it was, you know, a little bit longer, a little bit harder. rehab the first time and the, the cartilage didn't actually match or didn't take with my, uh, with, you know, my system, but, uh, you know, my body. So I had to do a second, uh, <laughs> a second, um, oat surgery. So they had to do, you know, re-grab the cartilage again from somebody and, um, you know, implant it again. And the second time, thank God it worked. But before it worked, I had a staph infection, like after surgery in the hospital and staph infection is literally the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. Like, literally couldn't sleep, like, couldn't really eat, things like that. And, you know, I had the staph infection, which sent me back, like, another extra four months because, you know, the staph infection is, like, hard to, you know, you lose so much muscle. And like I said, being a diabetic, mind you, this is the second time in a row, two years in a row, that, you know, having to do that. So, um, it was, like, a little, like, two and a half year, almost three year, like, rehab process. (sighs) And um, I think my first time playing was in Puerto Rico, and just like everything, everything wasn't like super normal then. Like you know, just you know, trying to come back from a, a you know knee injury is like super tough, especially being a guard and you know just trying to move the same and and like like I said, just trying to get back there. And I still what's crazy is I still had that mindset like, all right, man, I'm just gonna recover from this knee injury and get back to the NBA. Like yeah. you know, they're gonna love the story kind of thing, but. And it didn't work out that way, but you know, um you know it's it's all good.
2: Is it what you, you say it like like there's a finality to it as far as your dreams of going to the NBA. Is that how you feel right now?
3: Oh uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty much that. man like I've done my my stint there. Maybe you know, maybe I'll probably be a GM or uh, you know assistant gm in the in the future. You know, that could be my stint. In the uh, with basketball, but you know I, I've got I've got something like on my sleeve that I think is uh, a little bit bigger than the, than the basketball. But it's due to basketball that's probably gotten me there. So basketball I, is not I, my, my gateway.
0: I have a quick question because um, I remember you playing in Denver and Toronto. Um, that's like my fondest memories. Um, can you to walk us a little bit through that experience? Like you're because that's pretty much you played those years in the NBA. Like what was that like for you and just a little bit about that, just to shed light.
3: Denver, I mean, obviously, was the like the greatest experience probably in my life. One, I'm playing with Hall of Famers, Chauncey Billups, Al Harrington, which you know we're super close. I'm the godfather of one of his kids, uh, me and Al. Like that's my, my homie. Wow. Carmelo Anthony, one of my favorite players, that's playing dope. with Jr. Like we had a great, 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 great team. Um, and then to play, like, it was a total opposite to, like, it was almost like a downstep, almost my life all over again, playing at Virginia, <laughs> <just> like Denver, <laughs> and then go to Toronto. Granted, Toronto's, like, you know, champions now, but at the time, you know, we were, like, struggling to, to win. Right, right. Almost 60 games, you know, back-to-back years, and then to win, like, 20-something games, almost losing every night was, like, it's a little different, uh, a little different experience for me uh, going through. But, you know, I had the time of my life in Denver, yeah, you know, Toronto is a great city, but I, I think I actually helped Toronto because I was actually yes, you the did. Trade. I was actually the trade that got them Ky- that, that Kyle. Got the, that got them Kyle Lowry. So I think I think. Toronto kind of owes me a ring. Like would, so so <laughs> low key, low you,
2: you stole my thunder a little bit. I was going in that direction. I was going to be right. like, Yo, so, Toronto need to big you up a right, little something.
3: Right, low key, low key. It wasn't for me having those stats and that money. Like they wouldn't have got that, you know Kyle Lowry. Yo,
2: that's I mean that, that's the way to flip it for sure. Cause like you okay. know, cause it, there's there's two ways to look at that, right? It's like shit, man. I could have been the Kyle Lowry if they gave me a shot, yeah. right? But right. The, right. but right. that's not how it worked out.
0: But right, you got right, traded you got you got traded
3: to Houston, right? Right. right. It? Yeah, that's right.
0: Right. But but you never actually ended up.
3: No, nah, then for them? then the James Harden trade happened right after that. Yeah. So I got to I got right. to OKC and then OKC waived me because of you know, money situation. I was making too much like over the time. Stuff like that. So. Right. Uh, uh, <laughs> it was cool.
2: Alright, so we oh, gotta get you man. to Toronto. You, you, we gotta get you that ring. That's, that's right, right, right.
3: That's, yeah. that's gotta, Even <laughs> if it's a rep like something, something, you gotta something. give me some credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're you're right, right. You're right. <laughs> so, I'm so what? Call phone. Call for you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, what's Gary Forbes looking to do next?
3: Well, um, I was just in, um, you know, Saigon. I was just in Vietnam. It was a great experience. Um, you know, I love just traveling the world. I feel like basketball has taken me so many places, met different people. You know, I'm obviously not as, like, a household name in the NBA no more. Like, as, you know, the, uh, like, basketball is kind of like, what have you done for me lately kind of thing. And, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, it's just a part of the game. That's that's the thing you sign up for. And, you know, I'm all good with it. But I think I have a story that, I've you know, I've never looked at my, myself as, you know, those big-time, like, E, true Hollywood, or 30 for 30, or 30 for 30 uh uh, kind of episodes, but um, now that I, th- you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I've actually written a children's book. Um, it's not published yet. Um, stuff is in the work. I'm working with uh, Baron Davis right now on things, uh, which is also one of my homies. Awesome. And I feel that basketball has taken me to those places, like taking me through all these trials and tribulations, met these different peoples for this big moment right here. Because you know, the children's book that I'm um, that I'm writing. basically like an inspiration story for you know children with illnesses kind of like myself and i feel that you know being a diabetic and making it from cologne panama to the nba which is literally the highest level that you can reach at basketball and to do that with diabetes and to be i feel like i'm just as normal like i'm not super athletic i'm not super strong diesel but you know it's just like I have a mindset that's like kind of different from people so I want to instill that mindset through my children's book which is I want to do a series of six books uh which I'm you know taking these these kids with illnesses to to kind of inspire other kids because I've actually been in the hospital I've been you know in a diabetic coma I've you know I've been I've taken the shots I've you know I've been in the hospital so I know those are scary places but You know, I've also seen the other end of it, like coming through from it with, you know, positive, you know, reinforcement and mindset. So, you know, if I can do it, there's thousands of, you know, comeback stories of people with different illnesses. So why can't, you know, I feel like the first, the first start of it is a mindset and, you know, obviously taking care of your nutrition and health. And, you know, those are the things I'm going to add in the book as the years go on. And hopefully, man, this can be a TV show for kids. That's dope, man. Congrats. That's big. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Yo. Yo. uh uh, Gary, we definitely uh, definitely got to wrap after this, man. I definitely want to talk to you about my experience with the book and hopefully you can share some of your wisdom and what you're going you know, with your experience. I just want to say real quick, though, this is a very, very unique thing. I've never heard of anything like what you're doing. So the fact that you get to lend this to the world, I think it's a beautiful thing. And also your strength and your perseverance, you talked about your mindset, it showed throughout your whole career where you talked about it. So I know you have a lot to share. I'm actually anxious for your book to come out because I can't wait yeah, to man, read it my damn self.
3: I've been working on it for, like, almost, it's going on. Well, actually, I, I started the idea, the, the idea started with socks, because I am ai have a sock fetish. I love, you know, colorful socks and oh, design boy. socks. <clears throat> so, you know, I remember I was in the hospital when yeah, you know, those, like, rubbery socks that they give you, those hospital socks. Yeah. I was, like, I always felt like, you know, like, there needs to be, like, something different, you know, for, like, you know, kids that are in the hospitals and stuff like that. And me and my guys were just like sitting down, just like thinking like brainstorming one day and you know i just came up with it myself that you know why not just create a, like a you know cartoon or you know like a a book a children's book and instill my my inspiration my thoughts things that i've gone through you know memories that i had in a children's way for you know to people to to to, to look at these you know superheroes which I don't feel like myself. I'm a superhero but these kids that that go through illnesses and these these uh these situations with these diseases and have to live a normal everyday life as a child which is unbelievably hard. Yeah. Like like it's like people don't understand that that aspect of it and it's like I feel there's ignorance to it too where I also want to educate people like diabetes is something that runs in our culture, cancer runs in our culture but people are so ignorant of it like they say oh yeah cancer runs in my family or diabetes runs in my family and that's so easy for them to say and i don't think that that's that's right because that's not like that's not supposed to be in our system this is an illness this is something that's not supposed to be so there's many ways to to beat it through you know health nutrition through through many different ways and you know i'm trying to obviously shed awareness and you know not to have those kids who deal with these illnesses you know be picked on or teased because you know you know, they have cancer and they don't have any hair kind of thing. Like, right. Right. you know, like, so I want to inspire those kids and to, for them to be that story or for them to look at these characters and, you know, feel better about themselves and give them like a sense of hope.
2: Beautiful, man. Yeah. Yo, listen, brother, I appreciate you. We appreciate, appreciate you. I yeah, appreciate um, it. Um, yes. uh, we wish you much success in, in this yes. new chapter, uh, <laughs> pun intended with the books. all
1: right
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> And yo, let me know, man. Once once that rolls out, man, I, I'd love to, you know, let people know through the podcast, through our social okay. media. But also, I want to buy a few because I have my own kids, so I'm sure okay. they'll enjoy cool. the stories. Even
3: nah, they're they gonna love it, man. They're gonna love it. Trust me. Yeah, for sure. The whole world gonna love it. This is on some uh, Captain Planet
2: joint. Yeah. Oh, ah, that's, ah, no. nice. All right. So, so long as you wrote it down, I believe it's gonna happen. So I hope. I hope it's written
3: down, man.
0: It's <laughs> yeah. written down. It's
3: written down. All right, to Don't
0: expect. Expect to hear from me, man. Yo, God bless you, brother.
3: I appreciate this, man. Thank you, guys, man. Good luck with everything on the podcast, man. I'll be looking forward to everything. Thank
0: you. All right, brother. You'
2: Thank you for listening to this episode of Dribbling Dimes. If you like what you heard, please leave a review or comment wherever you're listening to us now. Check us out on social media as well. We're live on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. On all platforms, you can find us at D-R-I-B-B-L-E-N-D-I-M-E-S.